aren't you glad that we have a sociable church? That we love one another's company? I love it. Some places you go and it's like a tumbleweed moment. <laughs> but we love hanging out together because we're the family of God, aren't we? And we really do love David and Helena. You guys have been such a blessing. And just from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say thank you. Thank you. How many of you know that the church worldwide right now is in a time of rebuilding? I mean, the whole world is in a time of rebuilding, but the church worldwide, not just City Life Church, every pastor I speak to uh, tells me that there's so much change and transition and shifting that's going on. It's not something exclusive to CLC. It's going on worldwide. And in the midst of change, it's important that we look to the unchanging one. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because when a lot of change is going on, it, it, it can make you feel a little bit disorientated. That you're like, oh my goodness, what's going to change next? And, and that's why it's important that in an ever-changing world that we focus on the unchanging one, the ancient of days, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, God Almighty. He's the one that we're to look to. And just as I'm just reflecting on the season and, you know, as I'm preparing my messages, I normally sort of say, Lord, I know I've got a series to get into, but is there anything kind of prophetically that you want to speak into the season for the church? And I just really felt like the Lord highlighting the story of Nehemiah. Who here has ever read the book of Nehemiah? If you've not read Nehemiah, I encourage you, Read the book of Nehemiah because it's very relevant for the season that we're in right now. Nehemiah became aware that God's holy city, Jerusalem, laid in ruins. Its walls had been broken down. It was in a state of disrepair. And Nehemiah, rather than just complaining about it, he became part of the solution. Turn to your neighbor and say, be part of the solution. You see, we have a choice whether we are people that just spectate and just comment on the problem or whether we bring solution. And God's called us to be people that bring solution. How many of you know that we have the greatest solution within us? That is Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the world today. And so Nehemiah, he was moved. He, he, he had this compassion in his heart for the people of Jerusalem and for the state that that city was in. And his misery became part of his ministry. And I want to say this encouragement to those of you that there are areas of your life where you have misery. Sometimes it's your misery that is the indication of what your ministry is meant to be. There are certain things that bother you, that, that give you this holy discontent that you think, this cannot keep happening. There has to be change. And so Nehemiah, he stepped up to the plate and he recognized, God, I, I recognize there's a task that needs to be done here. He went and surveyed Jerusalem. He got a vision from God and then he started to draw together a community. 
because he realized this dream was not going to be fulfilled on his own. He needed a community. He needed to work together. And I want to say this for us as a church. We need one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. We need one another, both when we're thinking about the local church, but also thinking about the capital C, worldwide church. We need one another. Each and every one of us have a significant role to play. So Nehemiah, he begins this task, he casts this vision, and people say, yeah, we're going to step up, we're going to help make that dream a reality, we're going to do our part. And, and all the different specialists, people with different strengths, came together, and they worked together, and they began to rebuild the walls. And, and it was an amazing thing that God started to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And that's what God's doing in his church right now. He's restoring and he's rebuilding. But if you know the story of Nehemiah, let me ask you a question. Was everyone happy about Nehemiah's vision? No, not everyone was happy. You see, sometimes when you're doing God's will, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go, you know, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. How do you know sometimes that when you're stepping into the call of God, sometimes there will be persecution? Sometimes there will be resistance. Sometimes there's going to be opposition, okay? And I want to say this. This is a real word that I feel is on my heart today for us as a community. Don't get distracted. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get distracted. Right, this is an encouraging word. Do not get distracted, okay? In the story of Nehemiah, there were three guys Sambalat, Tobiah, Jeshem. These were not operating under Holy Spirit. There was an Antichrist spirit that was operating through them. They wanted to stop the work of God. They wanted to stop the restoration. They wanted to stop the rebuilding. And so what did they do? They hurled accusation. They hurled lies. There was mis representation. And I want to say this, guys, we have to be aware of misrepresentation. Because in that story, in, in the story of Nehemiah, let's have a look there now. Nehemiah 6, we're going to go from verse 1, and it says this, when the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Jeshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up till that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambala and Geshem, Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of, oh no. Now, now just like even like even the name itself, doesn't it? It hints like, yeah, you don't want to go, oh no, I am not going there. Here, they were busy doing the work of God. And yet, here are these voices of opposition that are now saying, come and talk to us in oh no. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. And they weren't just wanting to have a nice chit-chat. It was a distraction. It was all about trying to derail the plan that God had for that community. And we have to be careful. We have to stay focused. Everyone say, stay focused. We have to stay Stay focused on what God 
has for us is, let's carry on. It says, but they were scheming to harm me. So sometimes we go, oh, yeah, okay, you know, I'll go and see what they've got to, to say. But it says here, but they were scheming to harm me. How many of you know we need the gift of discernment operating in our life? Because not every conversation you need to lean into. Not every voice you should be partnering with. And here it goes on to say in verse 3, So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Now you would think that the enemy would say, Okay, fair enough. They're not interested. Nehemiah, he's ignoring us. I think he's, he's got our number, he's rumbled us. But no, it says, verse 4, four times they sent the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. So Nehemiah, he's staying focused, he's staying resilient, he's, he's staying focused on the task. And then it says, and then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his assistant to me with the same message. But this time in his hand was an unsealed letter. <laughs> and basically in this letter, it says that Nehemiah is accused of a revolt, rebelling against the king, trying to set himself up. It was completely untrue. So let's see how he replies in this moment. Verse 8, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us. I, I want you to just, just ponder on that, that little statement. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their, their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. So how does Nehemiah respond? But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Misrepresentation. We have to be aware of it, that we are in a spiritual battle, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in the dark age. There is a battle going on. and We've got to stay focused on the mission. But here the response was that Nehemiah prayed, strengthen my hand. And I really just believe in this moment, let's just take a few moments right now to pray that God will strengthen our hand and that we'll be able to stay on, on course, on focus for what God has called us to. Lord God, we pray right now. Come on, people, let's begin to pray together. Lord, we pray, strengthen our hands, strengthen the hand of our work. Help us, Lord, to operate in the gift of discernment to know what voices to partner with and what voices not to partner with. We pray, Lord God, strengthen us in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. And Lord God, I pray that, Lord, that you would complete everything that you have assigned to us, that we would fulfill your plan, your dream, your mission. And Lord, we pray that the rebuilding will not stop, will not be delayed, but Lord, will be completed. We pray that, Lord God, that we'll be stronger than ever before for your glory, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, amen. So we have to be aware that the enemy wants to stop the work of God, but let's stay focused. Stay focused on God, first and foremost. That's the most important thing. But we also stay focused on working together in unity. That's important. And that we also remember that there is a mission to be accomplished. We're here to love God, 
to reach out and to make disciples. Uh, we shared this a few weeks ago, but I just want to highlight it again about David's response when he went through difficult times and opposition. In Psalm 23, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So what he was saying is basically, I'm refusing to partner with fear. I'm refusing to partner with fear. In the story of Nehemiah, why was the enemy coming against Nehemiah? It was to get him to become fearful to stop what God had called him to do. And so let's not partner with fear. It's not to say we won't experience times of fear, that we won't feel it or be tempted to, to, to fall into it, but let's not partner with it. I will fear no evil. It's an act of the will. It's a choice that we get to make. And let our declaration be, I will fear no evil. So today we're starting a new series. And uh, this series is called, Everything's Going to Be All Right. You need to download that in the core of your spirit. Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing, come on, help me out, is going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, come on. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. With everything that's going on in the world, with the, the state of the government, with what's going on in the economy, with the war that's going on in Ukraine and that conflict with Russia, and everything's going to be all right because our time is in his hands. God is sovereign. He is ruling. He is reigning. He's over all. Our life is built on him. message I've titled this today, Peace That Surpasses All Understanding, Learning to Live from the Inside Out. Many of us Christians, sad to say, we don't live from the inside out, but we live from the outside in. And you might be thinking, what do you mean by that, Pastor? When you live from the outside in, you're living in a state of reaction to everything that's happening around you. You're looking at the news, you're looking at the bad reports, you're leaning into the, the stories of fear and tragedy. And, and as a result of the circumstance, of the storms that are going around, you begin to allow that to affect your internal, how you are inside. But God has called us to be people that operate from a place of peace and joy. I believe that as Christians, we should be the most peaceful people on the planet. That doesn't mean that we don't speak up, doesn't mean that we don't challenge injustices, but that we have this sense of peace from God that when everyone else is freaking out and everyone else is fearful and anxious and worried, we just have this tranquility about us. We just have this, this confidence that isn't rooted in what's happening around us but is rooted deep within because we have the promises of God that we're holding on to because we're holding on to God. God wants us to be a joyful people. You know, it's one of the difference between happiness and joy. Do you know what the difference between happiness and joy is? 
happiness is about what's happening around you. Whereas joy you can experience even when lots of things around you, lots of the things that are happening suggest that, you know, your world is falling apart. But yet you have this deep joy that you know that you're secure in the arms of your heavenly father. Let's have a look at this passage of scripture in Philippians 4. And, and we're going to go from verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And, and he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Everyone say the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I just want to share a few keys with you from this passage of scripture about how we can walk in a greater manifestation of God's peace. Ultimately, God is the Prince of Peace. It's who he is. He's the author of peace. But he's called us to be fruitful Christians that we show his fruit of peace to the world around and that we experience it in our own lives. So let's just drill in and, and look at a few of these, these points from this verse, this revelation that the Apostle Paul is sharing. First of all, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't say rejoice when everything's going great that's happening around you. He, he doesn't say rejoice most of the time. No, what does he say? He says rejoice in the Lord always. The good, the bad, the ugly, the highs, the lows, everything in between. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter not from uh, a beach in Hawaii. He's, it's not in the comfort of a palace. Do you know where Paul is when he's writing this? He's in prison. Like, and the prisons back then in the ancient world were not like the prisons today. <laughs> some of the prisons today are better than some homes that people live in. Uh, it's more comfortable. But they were, you know, dark and dank and just horrible places. And so get this revelation. Paul's living from the inside out. Because it's about what he carries within. It's about the promises of God. It's about that revelation of who's, who he belonged to. Who his future was in. He says rejoice in the Lord always. What does that mean? It basically means be cheerful. Be cheerful. That's not to say that we won't have times of sorrow. It doesn't mean there won't be times of grief. It's important that when we experience loss that we go through those processes of grief. That's part of our healing process. But God doesn't want us to stay there. But we should be, generally speaking, we should be rejoicing, cheerful in our disposition. 
Then it goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. Do people know you for your gentleness? They should do. Because Jesus was gentle and he is our example. But here it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Then it says, the Lord is near. How many of you know that, that when certain people are in our presence, we behave differently? Let me give you an example. The other day I was out driving my car and I saw a police car. Those of you that drive will know what I'm talking about. Suddenly you become extra aware of how fast am I going? <laughs> what is my conduct? And actually it was a point where like the lights were just changing. I was just heading up to Gunwharf Keys in the car with Laura and the girls. And <clears throat> the, the lights were just about to change. And I thought, I've got a choice here. Do I just run the, run the lights or do I you know, be more patient and more controlled? And, and I decided, praise God, thank God, that I was, you know, righteous and uh, slowed down and stopped at the lights. And just as I stopped at the lights, I looked over and there was a police car. I said to Laura, thank God I didn't jump that light. <laughs> you see, when you know the Lord is near, it affects how you think and how you behave. Not that we need to be fearful, but that there's a reverence, that there's a respect. So when we know the Lord is near, there's certain things that we won't do and there's certain things that we will do. Now imagine that that police, policeman was sat next to me in my car. How many of you think that's going to definitely impact the way I drive? I'm going to be like on best behavior. And I was uh, with in a situation where there was a little kid uh, that was with um, with our, our little river, and uh, this little kid um, I could see was was going to push over a little river. You know what kids are like, and uh, but he saw me looking, and he didn't. He thought again, I'm not going to do that because the river's daddy's watching. And again, it's it's all about when we understand the Lord is near. It's like we will act different when we know that God is near. He's always watching. He's always there. So the Lord is near. Remember the Lord is near and practice gentleness. What else can we do? What's another key for walking in peace? Choose not to partner with fear. You know, some of you just accept that, oh, you know, I'm just an anxious person. I just always worry a lot. I'm just one of those people. I want to say to you, you know, if that's you, that does not belong to you. God wants you to be a person that walks in peace. God wants you to experience deep peace. But you don't have to partner with fear. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So choose not to partner with fear. And then another key is pray about every situation. And often when we go through challenges, you know, maybe we want to jump on Google and find some advice on Google. Or maybe we want to talk to a friend and, uh, you know, and that's not to say those things are bad. But really the first thing we should do is bring it to the Lord in prayer. We bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. This is really, it, it, it's causing me to feel a bit anxious. We bring it to the Lord in prayer. And then it says about that we also are to be people that practice gratitude. 
You know, so often in life, we, we're bombarded with these messages that we're not enough and that we need more. And, and we can end up, I mean, social media can be a real blessing, a real tool for evangelism and discipleship. And, and so, you know, it's helpful. But also, also social media can be harmful in that it actually gets us in a place where we begin falling into the comparison trap that we start seeing other people's lives and we think, oh, like everyone else's life is so amazing and mine's so rubbish. You know, we can end up thinking that, comparing our lives with the lives of others. But when we practice gratitude, gratitude's a powerful thing. And I want to say one of the best things you can do to start your day, not go on to the news, not scrolling through social media, but practice gratitude. Just begin to say, Lord, these are the things that I'm grateful for in my life. And there's millions of things that we can be grateful for. And if you struggle, it's probably an indication that you're out of practice. And so as you start thinking, what can I be grateful for? I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. That's a miracle. I'm grateful that I've got a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I've got a church family. I'm grateful, you know, for those of you that have a job, you know, there's so many things that we can be grateful for. And gr gratitude is an amazing way that we can walk in the peace. Because when we start our day from that place of gratitude, you're not starting from a point of all the things you don't have, but you just feel like a winner. You feel like a champion right from the outset. And you are in Jesus. And then also another key here, filter your thoughts and focus, dwell, meditate on the good. So this bit that we looked at in Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever things true, noble, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. So I like to call this the Philippians 4 focus filter. If it's not those things, don't dwell on it. You might get those thoughts that come, those negative thoughts that come at times. Hey, you can't stop birds flying over your head, but you can stop them nesting there. So when those thoughts come, just let them pass by. But don't dwell on them. Choose to focus on the positive. Choose to focus on the good. And then finally here, obey the instructions of the Lord. In Mark 4, we come across a scene where, where there's a storm that arose. Uh, and I think that what's going on in the world right now is there is a lot of storms that are going on. Jesus and the disciples, they encounter a storm. They're out on their boat. Jesus had been teaching many parables. But he said, it's time now that we've got to cross over to the other side. But we see two very different responses from the disciples and how they reacted to their external circumstances and how Jesus responded. We see the difference between a life lived from the outside in Verses from the inside out. Let's have a look at Mark 4, verse 35, and then we're going to come into a land. Verse 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go over to the other side. Verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind. Let me say that again, verse 36, leaving the crowd behind. Sometimes there are some things you have to leave behind. 
they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall, or that's another word of saying, a storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now here we begin to see the two different responses. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You see the two very different responses to what's happening in the circumstances? Verse 39, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? (laughs) In other words, why are you partnering with fear? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So here we see the example of operating from a place of peace and rest. Versus operating from a place of freaking out in fear. God wants us to be like Jesus asleep in the boat when the storms are raging around. The same waves that terrified the disciples rocked Jesus to sleep like a baby in the arms of its mother. The Lord doesn't want us to live and minister from a place of restlessness, but from a place of rest. God wants us to be in that place of peace. Because you see, Jesus knew. He knew the promise of the Father that they were to get to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. So he knew that whatever happened in between, hey, we're going to end up on the other side. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Because we're going to the other side. They went through that storm. They got to the other side. And on the other side, they came across a man who was tormented by demons, who had this, uh, an even greater storm that had been raging on for for decades in his life. And Jesus was able to set this man free. And I want to say this, sometimes... The Lord allows you to go through a storm because he wants to bring you through it so that you can reach someone else who's got a far greater storm than you've been through. Their storm was just like a moment. It was maybe, I don't know, it could have been a few hours. It could have been a few minutes. And yet this man had had decades of this storm going around in his head. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through stuff so that we can help those who have far greater storms going on in their lives. And I want to encourage some of you here that when you look back over your life, you've been through many storms. You've been through many struggles, many difficulties. And you need to know this, that with God, none of it will be wasted. None of it will be wasted. Many of you know my uh, parents' testimony and My mother's background that she came from a very abusive home, very abusive childhood. Things that should not happen to children happened to my mother. But she was not a victim. It was not a life sentence for the rest of her life to stay in that prison. 
But she encountered Jesus and Jesus healed her and set her free. And now she uses her story to help other people to say, you don't have to stay in that prison. There is forgiveness. There is healing. There is restoration. There is new life and new hope that is found in Jesus. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, whatever mess you've been through, God wants to, wants to proclaim his message out of your mess. God has called us to be people that operate in that peace that surpasses all understanding. Have you ever wondered why, what does that mean when it says about having this peace that surpasses all understanding? It's basically when life doesn't make sense and yet you experience this peace. It's like, God, I don't get it. I'm not, why did we have to go through that storm? Why did we experience this loss? Why did that thing happen in my world? And I was loving you and I was following your plan and your purpose. Why was this misrepresentation? Why was this persecution and opposition? When it doesn't make sense, peace that surpasses, it goes beyond all understanding. It doesn't make sense and yet you feel a peace. This is the sort of peace that God wants each and every one of us to operate in. He is the Prince of Peace, but he's called us to be a people that manifest his peace as well. So let's use those kingdom keys that we've learned today, rejoicing in the Lord always, remembering the Lord is near, choosing not to partner with fear, praying about every situation, bringing our challenges to the Lord, practicing gratitude, filtering our thoughts and obeying the instructions that the Lord has given us. Let's be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Shall we pray? Lord, we love you. I want to speak right now in Jesus' name to every storm that's going on. Speak to every storm that's going on in people's lives around the world, Lord. We say, peace be still. Father, for those who may be fearful for their lives, may be panicking, anxious, worried, Lord, I pray that your truth, that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We speak that soundness of mind and we break off fear. We break off all partnership with any fear in Jesus' name. And I pray that we would be people that operate from that place of rest, knowing that, Lord, even in a place of rest, even in a place where it seems like we're not even doing anything, we're asleep, that knowing that when we're in your plan and we're in your hands, that, Lord, that even in that place of rest, we're still moving forward to fulfill the plan and the purpose and the destiny that you have for our lives. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and that we are secure in your arms, Father God. And I pray that, Lord, that our peace will be contagious, that, Lord, that when we enter into hostile situations in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families, that when maybe everyone else is, is anxious and uptight, Lord, that your peace would manifest when, when we walk in the room. 
that, Lord, they're like, whoa, something's different. I just feel this peace that's residing here. Let that peace spread. I pray that, Lord, that people will encounter you, the Prince of Peace, through our lives. Lord, teach us how to use these keys of the kingdom that you've given us today to walk in that peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, if there's any things that maybe we've been thinking about that we shouldn't be thinking about, Lord, may we use that Philippians 4 focus filter and choose to only think about those things that are pure and noble and praiseworthy and of good report and honorable. Lord, if there's anything that does not match up with those words, may we reject them in Jesus' name. So we just say thank you, Lord. We say we love you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.